0: Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good
4: afternoon, everyone. Welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. Well, you know, a little bit of snow messes everything up for us. We've had the offices closed the last couple days. Um, even though it wasn't a tremendous amount of snow, it was the time that it came in and what it did to the roads and you know, it makes things super icy and dangerous. And it was bitter, bitter cold in the single digits uh, at night and double digits, even though now in Colorado it's 51 degrees yesterday. Last night, I think I saw a five degree uh, reading on my phone or on my watch before I went down to sleep. So uh, wild, wacky weather swings move things around. But I know this will be a dated show. Uh, only for the sake as we've got to talk about a few things. But today is October 31st. Uh, it's if You're listening on October 31st. You're hearing it live. If it happens to be rebroadcasted another day for the sake of the questions, you'll know. Um, but we want to invite you out. And many churches around town here in Colorado are are um, having their Harvest Fest. We call ours Family Fest. We moved everything indoors So if you're on the east side of town here in Aurora, Colorado, uh, we're we're open. Uh, We'll be opening for tonight uh, starting at 5 o'clock. So uh, come on out, bring the kids. Uh, We are uh, celebrating the light of the gospel on a night that typically gets a lot of attention for its darkness. Uh, This is a particular holiday that I personally do not like because I do not like death being minimized, made fun of um, anyone that's lost a loved one uh, most likely can relate in some way or another. So uh, 303-690-3000 is the number 303-690-3000. We are live. I'm taking your calls live. I want to give a shout out. I don't if if your church is doing anything Trunk or Treat or any kind of outreach, no matter where you are, call me. Uh, We'll give you a shout-out on the air. Um, I know my friend Eric Cartier down at Rocky Mountain Calvary. They are already open. They've been open since 3.30. So Rocky Mountain Calvary is right there on uh, Academy. So go and take your kiddos to Rocky Mountain Calvary right there on on Academy. It's uh, next to the post office there. And we would love... I know he would love to have you there uh and serve your family. What a dynamic church. I'm so grateful for my friends uh in um in Colorado Springs. I have a lot of uh church friends and even meeting some new friends uh in Colorado Springs. So um Rocky Mountain Calvary is one of them. Eric and I go way back. Uh, Eric and I have a great story because I was brand new church planting in Colorado and his pastor back then was Brian Michaels. Brian Michaels was traveling and invited me uh, to teach for him. And I was a little intimidated. Uh, our church was extremely small and and I was very nervous. But I mean, I still get really nervous no matter where I teach, even at home. And that Sunday, I met Eric and his wife And Sean and his wife, uh, as it was Eric's first Sunday, I believe, as the youth pastor there, Uh, and and we uh, connected with a friendship there that has carried on all these years. And uh, you know, I can say that the same with a lot of different brothers uh, in Colorado that welcomed us when we moved here. You know, get a little nostalgic, of course, because uh, we've been here twenty years. Is our birthday this year, so start to think back. Uh, of how people were kind and generous to us and loving and caring. Um, it, <laughs> so for you pastors out there, you know it hasn't always been that way. Sometimes a pastor will stab you in the back or you'll get gossiped about or talked about, and that, I've certainly experienced that as well. Uh, but the good news is, is that those difficult times are very rare, uh, but they do happen, and uh, people do... Maybe I'll, I might do a podcast on that. I think I need to do a podcast on how to respond. because I, I, I was talking to a pastor friend yesterday uh, in another state in how in what choice do you make in defending yourself uh, And traditionally uh, we have been discipled at Calvary Chapel that that we're not to defend ourselves or to let the Lord defend us. and I think that's a default. That's definitely a default. Uh, position, but it's not the only position. Jesus defended himself, Paul defended himself, uh, without being sinful. Uh, so I think I'm going to do a podcast on that. I need to write that down. I'll do that during the break. 303-690-3000. Pat in Greeley, welcome to the program.
3: Hi, good afternoon. What's up? Let me, uh, let me lower this radio.
4: All right, great. Are you there? Good idea. I am.
3: Okay. Uh, I have a question. I heard a, a sermon the other day about um, where do you go after you die. And what okay. was explained, and I just want to make sure I understand it. Okay. Both the righteous and the unrighteous, both the saved and unsaved, go to Hades. And Hades is a holding place for the dead in the sense of this. The place Hades, or Sheol, S-H-O-E-L, is divided into two um, compartments with a divide in between. One is paradise, meaning what Christ said to the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. So your soul goes to the paradise, and then there's the side of torment. So in actuality, there is a holding place for the dead, and it's considered Hades. Hades is not hell. He went on to say that the new that the King James Bible even revised when they said that uh Hades was hell and uh and they took away hell and, and made it hades again so what's your thoughts on that
4: well, you described that very very well, Pat in every sense of the word uh in, in how and what happens to a person after they die in the old covenant so everything you just described is exactly what would happen before the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. After the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, believers no longer go to Hades because Abraham's bosom is now empty and there is no longer two compartments of Hades, there's only one. And those that die in Christ to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. To those who die without Christ, they go indeed to Hades. We use the general term hell to describe that, but Hades or Sheol, the place of the dead, uh, is or the grave, uh, the eternality of a person's soul. Uh, they go to Hades That at the end of the age, after the great white throne judgment, death in Hades is thrown into the eternal lake of fire, Gehenna, uh, represented by Gehenna. And so in the new covenant now, no longer is Hades two compartments, but Jesus Christ led captivity, led the captives free, and now a believer, when he dies or she dies, they're in the presence of the Lord, no longer in Hades.
3: All right. So then, by him saying that paradise is in Hades until the final judgment is incorrect, because that is that is, was in, the that old is incorrect.
4: Cousin. That's correct. Yeah, you're okay. right. That is incorrect. <laughs> Um, so it could be that, it could be, I don't know if you if that was the entirety of his message or uh, if that was the entirety of his message, I disagree with him. He's describing everything pre-death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the way you described it was pretty good. Um, as far as bringing in the King James, New King James, I, I, there's no need to do that because Hades is what it is. Um, but after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, paradise is now in the presence of God. Uh, and no longer in the temporary holding place.
3: Now, final point on this: that the the compartment that's left, the uh, let's for all purposes call it the compartment of torment, is that Tartarus? Is that what it's called?
4: That's a different lo That's a different. That's that's a completely different place.
3: And if we can end this by you explaining to me what is that place.
4: Well, there's a lot of different uh, discussions on what Tartarus is, but we do know that there is a place where the worst of the worst demons are being held until the final time of judgment, uh, and some would some would say that that's where Tartarus is. Um, the location of it, you know, it seems for many years uh, they there were people that said um, that it was uh, in the middle of the earth, um, but we don't know exactly where it is,
3: okay, so that has nothing to do with Abuso or the the abyss
4: no you that's, know, that's yet you another the, thing you actually get the uh, phrase-tartarus" tar- from the Greek mythology and the uh, depths of it's only used one time in second Peter chapter two, where it talks about the angels when they sin. He sent them to Tartarus in chains of darkness uh, so um I think there's a there is a distinction between uh, the the place of the righteous dead and the unrighteous dead and even Tartarus.
3: Okay, all right. That clears it up for me because it it just sounded a little off when he when he said that um, paradise was in Hades. Uh, But... um, like a, you said, that's the Old Testament, and at, at that time it was called Abraham's bosom. And soon as Correct. Christ was 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 soon as Christ came and uh, was resurrected, that place cleared out. Now there's only one compartment.
4: Well, and I would I would be careful on the phrase. I would say it's Old Covenant because we learn about Abraham's bosom from Jesus Himself. Uh, he teaches right. us, so we don't we learn about the intricacies and we get a peek into the afterlife through the teaching of Jesus, and many people think that that's a parable, but in parables, Jesus never used proper names, and because he never used proper names, many scholars, most scholars believe that he's giving a true story of Abraham's bosom and this rich man and Lazarus on purpose to describe a real—but even if it was a parable— uh, remember, the parables speak of a greater reality. So, even if it was a parable, there's a great reality behind it. But I don't think it was. I think Jesus was giving us a peek into, um, giving us a peek into the afterlife.
3: Wow, that's that's incredibly interesting. Well, thank you. You cleared up, uh, you cleared that up for me. I'm glad I spoke with you before I shared that with anybody.
4: So, did you hear this on Grace FM?
3: No, I did not.
4: Okay. It was so I would not say if you did, event. I would ask for you to check into okay. the teacher because they. It doesn't sound like they took you all the way into the new covenant on that particular teaching.
3: Yeah, it does seem that way. Well, that's why I called. So uh, okay, well, thanks for calling. You got to be cautious. Yeah, I will be. Well, I... you have a nice afternoon.
4: Okay, Pat. God bless. Yeah, I think um, I think it's really good that what Pat demonstrated was being a Berean. Uh, you know, in the book of Acts, it spoke of the Bereans being more fair-minded than the Thessalonians because when they heard Paul say something, they searched the Scriptures to see if he was true. Imagine that! Uh, how much we know Paul was inspired of the Holy Spirit, uh, but now he, even he, was tested by the Word of God. Uh, so pretty cool. Three o three six nine o three thousand is the number. Uh, so let's, uh, let's see who's next. I've got to get the right screen up here. Joe in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Joe, welcome to the program.
1: Hey, thanks, Pastor. And uh, I have an agnostic friend, uh, good guy. I pray for him every day. Going okay. to get him converted one of these times. Uh-huh. We, often, we often get into discussion about how did everything get repopulated after Noah, And his family, and you've got, you know, the 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 Chinese, the Japanese, uh, the 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 Indian, the all the various races, uh, ethnicities, uh, and it's like, how did they all derive differently from just that one family? And uh, many times I don't have an answer for them, and and you know, I sometimes wonder, did God, after all that was over, put. And make people and put them in other areas of the world i can 't give an answer. I was hoping you could shed some light
4: well you know there's there's only truly one race, uh, and that 's the human race and the yes. The reality of the diversity of ethnicities comes through a, a, a variety of different ways and when you one of the one of the um, one of the resources that I use a lot, because this is not an expertise of mine, is from a friend of the ministry here. His name is Ken Ham. Uh, Ken Ham and his team answers this um, in amazing ways. And so I wanna I want to uh refer you to his website, answers um, in gonna, Genesis he's dot go org. into <clears throat> Answers in Genesis dot org. He's gonna go into much more um much more detail than than what we would i'm even looking at uh one race one blood uh where ethnic and divisions come from you know I'm kind of looking through to see where you know where did we get all the races i guess is where um where the question would be, but you know yeah. you're thinking through let me um let me I have my computer open but let me pull my Bible open here because you you have you have the diversity that comes from the families of Noah uh, after the flood. Uh, so in Genesis, uh, you have the family. It's it's laid out for us through the sons of Noah, where you have the family of Japheth, um, where we get um, the sons of Japheth were Gomer. This is uh, Genesis 10. It's kind of laid out. And Genesis 10 and following is known as um, a table of nations, so you can see through his sons how they spread out where just through Japheth we have the uh, Samaritans, the Scythians, the Russians, the Asian Europeans, the Greeks, the Medes. Um, you go through the family of Ham is uh, populated the entire African area and then the father of Canaan, which were uh, the family of Canaan, I should say, which were the Phoenicians um, and the Cenites in verse 17, the Chinese. And so through the families, um, in, as they spread around the world, Um, you have the ethnics. And then from Shem, you have Eber in verse 21 that gives birth to the Hebrews. And a careful study of the family lines in chapter 10 will account for all the different ethnicities that are available. And then, of course, over time, ethnicities mix with ethnicities. uh, And and you have the people groups that have spread around the world. Um, But it began it, it came from Noah and his family and it spread through his sons and through his grandsons and um, you know there there's there's much evidence that and a lot of insight that's given that I think the best resource is Ken Ham and his ministry.
1: Okay. One more one more time on that website?
4: It's answersingenesis.org. Answers in Genesis.org. All right,
1: hey, thank you so much.
4: You're welcome. All right Bye-bye. Good day. All right, um, You know, that this, this area, evolution science, is not a strength of mine. Uh, and I, just like all of us, uh, we have strengths and weaknesses. And where I'm grateful for is men like Ken Ham who, de- who dedicate their entire lives into an area of their strength. And, you know, I'm even looking at, um, as I'm flipping through, um, there's a question that they posted an article in 2014. Are there really even different races? Um, and you know the before Dar- and it goes in. It's from their book One Race One Blood, and he goes in to talk about how Darwinian evolution changed our thinking. Um, so it's it's an interesting thing. So the article is uh, chapter 17 of One Race One Blood, and he titled it "Are There Really Different Races?" Um, and it's a great article. Um, the Bible doesn't even use the word race. He says in reference to people, but it does describe all human beings as being of one blood. Acts chapter seventeen verse twenty six, and this emphasizes that we are all related as humans, descendants of the first man, Adam. So we need to even go back prior to Noah uh, in our dis and in describing our heritage, um, and so go in and go to answers in Genesis, and this is an article from the New Answers book, and the title is, Are There Really Different Races? And consider his point of view. All right, Bianca is on line three. Bianca, welcome to the program.
0: How are you doing?
4: I'm great, Bianca. What's up?
0: I just have a prayer request I'm going to be... Going to a lecture tonight on the okay. Jews of Cuba, and probably all of the people that are going to be attending aren't believers. So I just like prayer for wisdom as to how to share the gospel with someone if the opportunity comes.
4: Okay. Father, I pray that you would enable and equip our sister Bianca as she travels to this fascinating lecture on the origin of Jews in Cuba and any of the other things that are going to be shared. Lord, I pray that she would go as a light on a hilltop. I know that because of her challenge with blindness, that she draws a lot of attention to herself, not on purpose, but because of that. And I just pray, as she has many times before, that you would use this area of her life to draw people to her so that she would be able to share the good news of the gospel with the doors that you open for her. And so I pray, God, that you would strengthen and establish her. And thank you for the encouragement that you give to us through her life. And may you be glorified in and through Bianca. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. Thank you.
4: And, you know, it's true, Bianca, I know that uh, it has been a challenging life that you've lived and you continue to live, but I also have noticed that you have a way of embracing uh, the challenges that you have with your blindness to take those opportunities when people are attracted to you. And and so that's my prayer tonight, and I hope to hear a good report.
0: Yeah, and even things inside the ministry, like, of course, I'll be in the christmas choir this year so that should be <laughs> that's fun.
4: fantastic that's gonna be great i'm glad you i'm glad you're stepping out and taking another step of faith all
0: right well god bless Alrighty. you
4: okay bye bye 3036903000 give me a you can also text me 720-336-0897, and uh, we have open lines Let's see. Becky in Lafayette, Colorado. Becky, welcome to the program.
2: Hi. I would like to say, first off, I just love Bianca. She's precious. God bless her. She
4: is a special woman.
2: She is. So um, my question is, how do I, not via email, but how do I approach my church if I have concerns that they don't teach prophecy in end times, or they don't um, really seem to support Israel. Uh, I'm real concerned about that. I know we're going to be moving pretty soon, and, and we're going to be moving in southern Colorado, but I'm, okay. and I definitely want to find a church, you know, that will feed me in, in, what, in what I'm looking for, you know, to learn. But I just, I, I've been going there a long time, and I've, I've asked questions before, and I've gotten some snippy answers in the past. But I've been done I've done it by email um, but i I am concerned that they don't teach about prophecy and that's one of the concerns I have. is that is that kind of a trend in the nation that that you know I don't know you know churches kind of stay away from that?
4: Well, I don't know if it's a trend in the nation as much as it is a trend in the modern church movement. You know, of course, we have our own challenges here in the United States. And one of the big shifts that have taken place within the U.S. is a lack of complete Bible teaching. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's been replaced with uh, a topical system of teaching whereby the topics kind of dictate, or the choice of the topics kind of dictate the direction of the church instead of uh, a more complete handling of the scriptures. Which would be, which is commonly known as expository teaching, where yeah. you're teaching through whole books and you're teaching within the context not only of the book but of the book, of the Bible in itself and God's heart toward mm-hmm. Israel. Um, today happens to be Reformation Day. Mm-hmm. Um, it, Halloween gets a lot of attention, but today was the day uh, that um, Martin Luther uh, nailed his 95 theses up on the door on the Wittenberg door and a large movement of the church away from Israel actually happened during the Reformation sure. um, it started with the Roman Catholic Church um, mm-hmm. really being actually in some ways used um, to bring great pain to the Jewish people and then mm-hmm. the Reformation uh, they introduced a new doctrine and it's kind of it's kind of uh, uh, overlapping with the Roman Catholic teaching of what's known as replacement theology yes. and a lot of doctrine today within the Reformation. And churches that have come out of the Reformation, uh, they hold to and ascribe to a system of theology known as replacement theology, Mm -hmm. and the idea behind that very simply is is that they believe that the church entity has taken the place of Israel in all of the promises of God, so that Mm -hmm. all the promises that were made to Israel are no longer valid to Israel, they're now valid to the church, therefore God has divorced Israel and he has no more plan or purpose for Israel. And you combine yeah. that with prophetic teachings where you know when you minimize and completely disregard the Book of Revelation, when you minimize the prophetic nature of Ezekiel and Daniel, especially Daniel in the seventy weeks where there's still an unfulfilled seven year time period, um, you know those teachings have infiltrated the church and and on in general it's not just a united states problem it's a it's a worldly it's a church around the world problem, capital mm-hmm. C. Um, number one, number two. Your question is, how do you handle it? Uh, the best way to handle it is go to the leadership of your church. If you happen to be a, a pastor-led church or an elder-led church, and have that discussion with them. And and, and I would say I've been I, I would probably approach it this way. I have been in this church for a long time, and I'm and we're about to move. Or and and I've come away with the impression that we number one don't emphasize the prophetic in the church, and we don't emphasize Israel am i correct
2: okay
4: and let them answer that so it doesn't come off why don't we instead of hey i'm i have the impression and right. i'm sure i'm not the only one but i have the impression from the years i've committed to this church tithe serve all of that that we don't place a high emphasis on systematic bible teaching prophecy or israel am yeah. i correct and then let them answer and then um, through their answer, you might be able to start a dialogue with them.
2: Okay, I'll do and that. And it will
4: be less defensive.
2: Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I I, um, I think when you were kind of pinpointing on the topical thing and going that direction, <laughs> that's what I've noticed is the style of uh, their services. And so, yes. um, but I, I've been wanting more, and I, I, I'm looking more, you know. I mean, we, I do the BSF, and that's a great way to get through the Bible. Um, sure. It's a it's a commitment though, but um, you know it's it's uh, it's a concern of mine. And, and when I go looking for a new church in Southern Colorado, I want to find a, ch- a church that's you know going to teach book by book. And so, thank you where so are you much. Where you going for exactly? Um, we're going to move to Penrose, Colorado, so we'll be close to Canyon City and okay. West Pueblo. So, and Colorado Springs is quite a it's quite a drive from where we'll be living. But um, you know, we we do well,
4: brother... you know. There, there's a super strong Calvary Chapel in Canyon City. Oh, good. And, um, they've been there a long time, and you would. his pastor's name is Sean. He would take good care of you. And, and then since you're going down there, pray, because we still have a desire to buy a radio station that will cover that segment of Colorado. So
0: okay.
2: now
4: that you're going to live there, you can remember to pray for us.
2: Sure, sure. And support All you, right. too. Well, thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Take care.
4: Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, we're coming out. Um, Uh, We're coming out up on the first half. I got a text here. Denver Calvary is heading out to reverse trick-or-treat with love prayer for tonight. So Lord, bless the fellowship at Denver Calvary as they go reverse trick-or-treating in the sense that they're bringing the hope and love of Jesus Christ door-to-door. Bless them. Keep them safe. And uh, we look forward to hearing more of what's going on tonight in your name. Amen.
0: Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey,
4: good afternoon. Welcome to the second half of today's program. Uh, I know that if this gets aired as a uh, rebroadcast, you'll know it. We don't often date the programs, but because we're inviting people, uh, today is Thursday, October 31st. So we are dating it. That's very rare. I'm sure Kevin uh, just dropped his headset and he said, I can't believe Ed did that. But because we're inviting you to, uh, because we're inviting you out to different family fests and harvest fests, uh because we're talking about the weather here and different things, uh, it's going to be dated. And so today we're dating it. Uh, and our harvest fest in Aurora is on. I noticed um, that... Uh, A few Denver Calvary's doing some reverse trick-or-treating. There's some trunk-or-treats in town. Uh, I know that I've got friends in Colorado Springs, Westminster, um, over in Highlands Ranch, uh, Calvary South Denver in Littleton uh, are all having uh, events. And those are just a few of the Calvary's that are my friends. Uh, Many others are having them as well. So... The weather did warm up a little bit. It is, what time, what is it right now? It's 50, 50 degrees. Ours got moved indoors. So most of what we're doing will be indoors because uh, we had to make that call on Monday. But we moved ours indoors and we invite you uh, to come. We have free candy and free uh, games and free jumpers and things for the kids. Uh, we had to modify, of course, a little bit, but praise the Lord, we get to do it. Um, uh, Rocky Mountain Calvary's has already started. Uh, Westminster, I think, starts a little later. Our starts at 5. Um, oh, my goodness. Um, uh, I think uh, in Highlands Ranch, Mile High Calvary starts at 6. So if you're going out, uh, there's some safe places uh, to, um, to celebrate. So we haven't had the question yet. Let me just ask and answer the question why are churches celebrating the pagan holiday, Pastor Ed? Well, I would say that I can answer for myself, but I think that through a lot of relationships, I, can, I think other pastors relate, and I can say this, we are in no way whatsoever celebrating Halloween. Uh, we are not celebrating a pagan holiday. Uh, we are simply taking advantage of a night where a lot of kids will be out and we are attracting them with free candy, they're already going to be out. And so because they're out and we're missionaries to our community, we're going to provide a way to get the gospel into their hands, to give them a sense of light on a dark place, uh, to speak to them, to encourage them, to, to associate with them and their families that, that this church loves our community. Um, but let's think about this for a second, okay? Let's just use—one of my pet peeves as a pastor is the lack of common sense uh, and the la- and this whole guilt-by-association nonsense, which actually happens more with people, but sometimes churches—and uh, let me just say, if there's a church celebrating Halloween, I don't support that. I don't think it's from God at all, but that, that's quite, sort of like saying— well, let me don't let me let me not get off track. So one of my pet peeves is this nonsense of guilt by association, and because we're doing something on a night when kids are already on the streets, we could be uh, siding with, uh, we could be fall into that category of, of um, saying that you're celebrating Halloween. We're not anymore. So let's be consistent. Let me ask you this: if you're if you're wrestling with this, do you celebrate Thor, T H O R? The Greek god Thor. And you go, Of course not. I'd no, I would not celebrate the Norse god of thunder. Um, because you know, I why would I do that, Ed? That's a dumb thing. Why do you why are you even saying that? Well, guess what? Today, and I'm sure you've said it, I'm sure you communicated it, I'm sure you've written it down, I'm sure it's on your phone and in your life. You use the word Thursday. I'm sure you did. I'm sure it's on a calendar. And Thursday is also known as Thor's Day or Jupiter's Day, and it is uh, coming to us from the influence of the Old Norse God, meaning Thor's Day, uh, named after Thor, the god, little g, of thunder, Uh, and it's associated with... The astro- astrological sign of the planet Jupiter, and I'm sure you're not into astrology either, but you probably have said Thursday a thousand different times. So here's the question: Can you say Thursday and not worship its pagan origins? The answer is yes. Can you can you find yourself giving candy out in Jesus' name on Halloween and not be celebrating? any of the pagan or even corporate origins of halloween the answer i believe is yes and so many things in our culture today are, actually have pagan origins that as believers we have no no participation in paganism at all and i think that the puritan days have are still with us in the sense that the in in puritanical ways just go in your house close the door turn out the lights and don't have anything to do with kids that come to your door because it's halloween and the way to deal with halloween is just ignore it well the the reality is uh the reality is is that you can use things for the glory of god even meat that's been sacrificed to idols right it's just meat and and so the Bible has a lot to say with that. So no, we're not celebrating it So, um, at all, even though we're opening up our church, even, even as we do a lot of different things uh, as missionaries. <laughs> it's great. Frank's been waiting patiently in Aurora, Colorado. Frank, welcome to the program. Hey, Frank, you're on the air. Well, there was a question that said, how do Christians in America take hold of the power of God has given us? How do we take advantage of that power to spread the gospel? Well, it's like anything, I think. Um, I, I, first of all, I wouldn't, I'm not so interested in about Christians in America, end quote, as much as I am believers in general. And how do we take hold of the power that God has given us? Um, we live by faith and obey God. We abide in Christ and rely upon completely his resources to accomplish his will on the earth today. All right, right, three line three is Teresa from Maryland. Teresa, welcome to the program.
5: Oh, hi, Pastor. Thank you for taking my call.
4: You're welcome. Can I ask you a question real quick? Sure. How do you pronounce the city you're calling from?
5: Oh, you're going to put me on the spot <laughs> I just I moved don't know. here over, over a year ago. It's, oh, French. No. it's French. It's okay. French for Harbor of Grace. Can I just say Harbor of Grace? <laughs>
4: sure, that's perfect. Yeah, I, I didn't want to mispronounce it. I don't I I'll, don't know how to say it.
5: I'll I'll okay. try it. It's Heavy de Grace. Okay. Oh nice. I, okay, been, okay.
4: <laughs> okay, great. So welcome okay. from Maryland. What can I do for uh, you?
5: Okay, thank you. Um the the part about the swords, um, I know there's a quite a, there's a plenty of scriptures about it and i remember Uh i know like who lives by the sword shall die by the sword and then um there's a part in luke 22 um 36 through like 38 and it says but now he said this is the new living translation take your money And your and a traveler's bag, and if you don't have a sword, sell your clothes and buy one for the time has come for this prophecy about me to be fulfilled. He was he was counted among those who were rebels. Yes, everything written about me by the prophets will come true. And then it says in thirty eight. Lord, they replied, we have two swords among us, and that's enough. He said, that's what I have. I don't know. Yes. Uh And then in the garden. Right before his crucif- crucifixion, Peter goes to take out a sword to cut off his, his the soldiers. air. i I'm just confused about Luke 22, where Jesus okay. says, "That's enough. Two, two swords is enough. That's enough."
4: Well, let's. So, whenever we come across these difficult passages, we want to handle them in the context first, uh, because as we start to. If we start to compare them uh, all over the place before we find out what Jesus meant in the moment, it'll just add to our confusion. It may not always give us the answer we're looking for, but before we go anywhere else, let's just focus. Let's on focus on this passage in in Luke twenty two. Um, earlier, remember, in the ministry of Jesus, the disciples were sent out with special authority. Uh, it was an exciting time; they were used in a great way. And there was an, an a different instruction to them on how to go. Now they're at a different time uh they're very much in luke twenty two they're very close to uh Jesus leaving, and so he gives different instructions for them when he leaves um, mm-hmm. and I believe that the the swords of that are mentioned here have everything to do with the kind of, with the the spiritual warfare. Mm-hmm that they're going to face um, mm-hmm. the reality of it you know they they are thinking in the physical realm that was always their problem remember the disciples okay. their, their their problem was always in the physical realm and Jesus wasn't speaking to them in this physical realm he was speaking to them in the spiritual realm and um, but they're but they're meeting him and that's what i love about Jesus they're meeting him th- he's meeting them where they are and by them saying oh, we've got swords here Jesus is like you know that's enough but they were saying, "We're ready. We're ready for you. We're ready for anything that comes our way. We're ready." And and yet they misunderstood him, so he he stopped the conversation um, because his kingdom isn't going to be moved by force. It's going to be moved by love. And and so it's kind of one of those in, those interesting uh, conversations that Jesus has that they they're talking about. You know, because they obviously. You know, many people kind of ascribe Jesus as this pacifist. He was not a pacifist. Um, He he did not advocate pacifism, Um, and that what he advocated was wisdom. Even Mm -hmm. with Peter now, so when you come to Peter, Peter did something extremely foolish when he pulled out his sword to go after the Roman Empire. That that's foolish. It's almost as foolish as it would have been for Peter not to pay his taxes remember mm-hmm. because jesus provided his taxes for him because the the overarching principle would uh, that the bible gives us is to use the current governmental structure for, for what the sake of the gospel it's always for the sake of the gospel if if the gospel is first in our priority and motivation it will change a lot of, a lot of our decision making that the gospel is not the the killing of another person the gospel is the sacrifice of the Savior. And, mm-hmm. and so Peter was foolish. He pulled out the sword and go, I'll protect you. And Jesus says, put your sword away. That, that isn't how the—he like, didn't say to get rid of it. He said, mm-hmm. put it away. Um, because yeah, there's that. certainly a time for the sword, but in the times that they're mentioned, they're not mentioned in a way was the right timing to use them.
5: Okay, so for Luke twenty two, I, I, I listened to you, I, I heard you. So I what I got was he stopped when he stopped the conversation because all this time I'm thinking that Jesus is okay with them taking two swords and he they, they weren't getting it. So is that what you kinda were saying? They're, okay, they so that's a good it?
4: follow up. So the answer is I believe Jesus is okay with them carrying the swords. Uh that hasn't changed. Uh mm-hmm. the reality of, of him he doesn't tell them to leave. He doesn't tell them, um, he, he doesn't tell them that he's not, they're not going to need them. They might need them for, for, uh, for self-preservation. As a matter of fact, he tells them to buy a sword in verse 36. Um, let him take it, um, verse 36, but now he who has a money bag, let him take it. Likewise, a knapsack. Uh, he who has no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. And so the 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 reality of needing or having a sword for self preservation to protect the women. There's a lot of good reasons for having a sword, but it's not to further the gospel. The sword will oh, not yeah. further okay. the gospel.
5: So turn the other cheek. For, the, there, for the, there isn't like the, so what pe- word of, so for the for the word of God, turn the other cheek for Je- Turn the other cheek for Jesus.
4: But when it comes to the, sword, the gospel,
5: for, yeah.
4: There's a different sword, isn't there? It's the sword of the spirit, the Word of God, right? And the idea of the idea of of protection, oh. maybe to pull the sword out to protect the women. Um, to, I mean, there's a lot of purposes for the sword, but it's not just like intended in the Old Testament. to be used.
5: Yeah, just like yes. in the Old Testament, all the all those, all those hundreds of thousands of men that were slaughtered, and so, that was directed so, by God Almighty. And it's the same. So in this situation, it's yes, take the sword if you, you might need them, but not to preach the word of God, not Correct. not to use force. Gotcha. Oh, thank you.
4: <laughs> so he tells them, so look at the flow of his conversation. He says, um, sell your garment, buy a sword. And their answer in verse 38, he's about ready to die. The very next verse in 39 is he goes into the Mount of Olives where he's going to be in anguish and prayer right before the cross. And their mm. answer to him in verse 38 was, Well, we already have two swords. And mm. his answer was, It's enough. It's almost like you guys still don't get it yet,
1: but um, let's move yeah. into the garden.
4: Let's just, let's, it's, let's move forward. This conversation on swords is over. Uh, it's okay. not about whether you have two or 10. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, okay. they, they weren't, they, that, that's a problem that we have too. We, we, oh,
0: yeah. we
4: get information, but we don't track spiritually with God. And he's still very gracious to us and he's still very loving but we just don't get it and i think here right. they just didn't get it but he yeah. doesn't rebuke them i didn't um, get it <laughs> right
5: all right thank you so much you're welcome and thanks for everything you do
4: okay god bless for the you
5: the kingdom yeah you too
4: all righty bye bye 3036903000 is a number i love the i love the um uh, i'm always appreciative of these kind of questions because um, even my answer is not entirely sufficient. Like for even for me, um, why didn't Jesus take some time to explain to them? Why didn't he um, sit down and give them another five minutes of? Okay, here is the deal with the swords, um, but he doesn't. Uh, even he doesn't tell. He t- he doesn't. Not only does he tell them not tell them to get rid of their swords, he tells them to buy one if necessary. And so Peter kind of comes into the garden a little self sufficient, like with the sword thing on his mind. Uh, which could have been a motivation for him pulling it out to, de- to passionately defend his Savior. Um, um, it's good. 303-690-3000 is the number. Um, taking your calls and your questions. We got lines wide open, it looks like. So give me a call, 303 690 Let's see. Let me get over to texting and see here. Um, When sinners are judged and sent to hell, will there be different levels for them according to their sin? Um, Certainly Jesus did speak of different judgments um, because he, remember, laid a heavier burden upon those that stumbled little children. He said it would be better for them if a Millstone was hung around their neck, and so in some ways, like there are different um, degrees of rewards, um, there may be different levels of judgment. Um, different, but but really, um, you know, when you think about it, like uh, it's it's not in the sense of of Dante Dante's Inferno. Uh, which we didn't get until um, the 1300s. <clears throat> judgment will be experienced differently by different people. Um, there, are, uh, According to Revelation chapter 20, people are judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books, and so people are going to do different things. Um, so perhaps the judgment at the great white throne uh, is to determine how severe the judgment will be. So yes, there's a possibility of uh, very strong, Strong biblical possibility of different levels of judgment, but we need to think of them in a biblical way, not because of a popular poem and paintings. 303 690 is the number, 303 690 Alana in Frederick, Colorado. Alana, welcome to the program.
6: Hi, how are you?
4: Hi, Good.
6: Um, so, I was reading Leviticus 20, and okay. uh, I came across verse 9, and I know a lot out of uh, that chapter has to do with, like, pagan um, practices, and I was just wondering, yes. like, the context behind verse 9, and also, I it says, like, they'll be stoned to death if they do that. I was wondering right. um, if um, there was room for repentance or if they were just stoned automatically or they were given a chance. Repent, Um, because a lot of the times I'll be talking about that, and unbelievers will like throw that. Know the scripture will say like, if you cut your hair, you're sinned. And I know the context behind that is that pagans would cut their hair in a way to worship their gods. And so, like, I just was wondering about the context behind that.
4: That's a that's a great question. So there's it's a it's a deeper answer than what radio can provide, but I'll give you a summary of it. But but okay. depending on, let's go back to the people that ask you, first of all, uh, especially if you, um, you can ask this in a nice way or you can ask this in a startling way, okay? Uh, mm-hmm. In the nice way, uh, like if you're friends and they're really wrestling with it, you could say, well, it, do you still wear diapers? And the person most likely will say what?
0: Uh, what do you think no. they'd say?
4: <laughs> no, they'll probably say no. And then your follow-up will be, well, why not? And they'll probably say something like, well, I don't need them. I'm mature. I'm big. I don't wet the bed anymore or whatever, which is all good answers. And mm-hmm. and so that picture, though, for them is that there was a time when they needed diapers, but that time came to an end. And that's how it is with the time of the Old Testament scriptures, the Old Covenant. Remember, the Old Covenant was given to the nation of Israel to help them become a holy and sanctified nation as they were brought out as slaves from Egypt. That's the big story of the nation of Israel. They were delivered (laughs) from their slavery in Egypt, and they were learning a new way to live that was not rooted in the pagan origins of Egypt. And so God gave them these types of laws that would keep them pure um, and keep them in a place that would separate them from all the pagan people around them. And there's a lot of different... Uh, laws that are in the the, the Old Testament, and then and, and so you can you can put them in two different categories. Okay, number one, there were ceremonial laws, and the ceremonial laws were things to have to do with food, diets, clothing, uh, things, how you planted seeds. Uh, but even in the even in the planting of seeds, there was a sense to to keep things separate as unto the Lord. So people miss the point and go, well, you know, if I plant seeds differently, will I go to hell? Well, think of it this way. The whole system of religion in the Old Testament is that an animal took the penalty for your sin once a year. So if you had faith in God that the sacrifice of the blood of that animal covered your sins, then you would never go to hell. You would always be in relationship with God. And and so the ceremonial laws were were done away with. They're no longer, they're actually taught against in the New Testament, because we don't need the diaper anymore, we don't need the law anymore. But the moral laws of God, they continue on because God doesn't change. And so to mix, for example, verse 9 in Leviticus, For everyone who curses his father and mother shall surely be put to death. He who has cursed his father and his mother, his blood shall be upon him. Was that valid in the Old Covenant? The answer is yes. Uh, how did it operate? Well, it really depended upon the mother or father and their personal judgment of whether they were to bring their kid to the priest. Because if yeah. they brought their kid to the priest, it was over. And so my my thought is there was probably a lot of grace in the home before a mother and father um, would bring this upon their children, this rebellious nature. But you say, well, then what about now? Do we still stone kids today? No, we don't. Why? Because Jesus Christ took the penalty for every kid that curses their mother and father.
6: Yeah, I I understand
4: that. He took it upon themselves. But for those that come with criticism, and I email me, I'll send you, I did this a much more in-depth message, especially when it comes to the morality of sexual sin, homosexuality, adultery, things that are real common and acceptable in our culture, and they go, well, if the penalty for adultery is the same as the penalty of changing your garments or having mixed um, uh, fibers in your garment, then the Bible's stupid. But it's actually not stupid at all. There's actually great wisdom in the laws of God keeping things separate.
2: Yes. Yeah.
4: And, and so I go through that in depth, actually, much more than this. But the, the ceremonial laws are, are not binding, but the moral laws are still binding today because God doesn't change. And so sexual yeah. sin is still sexual sin today. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in some of these things that, you know, when they, there was prohibitions on eating certain kind of foods, you know, those prohibitions are pretty wise um, because a lot of disease still exists in the foods that were prohibited by God thousands of years ago. So do we need to eat certain foods to be right with God? No. Is it wise to avoid certain foods to stay healthy? Yes. Yeah but, but I always like to use a, a, a especially if there's some critic, you know, if somebody called, "Well, I can't believe it, why would you do? It? Well, hey, do you still wear diapers?" Oh, you're so stupid. What do you mean? No, do you wear, Are you wearing a diaper right now? No. Well, why not? Well, because I don't need them anymore. Well, if you don't need diapers anymore, then why can't God, why can't God find uh, maturity in the system of relationship that He has ordained? It's the same Mm -hmm. thing. You don't need the. You don't. As a matter of fact, the Bible doesn't call the law a diaper. The Bible calls the law a teacher, like a tutor. You know, as we needed tutors as kids. Yeah, like a schoolmaster. I think is the old uh, King James, and and yet now that the new covenant, we don't need the. We don't need a schoolmaster anymore because it brought us to the place of faith. But yeah. so, So I think that I personally think there was a lot of grace in the home before the kid was ever brought before the priest.
6: Okay. Yeah, that's what I was wondering, because I was like, were they just, did they just, that one time, and then they were stoned to death? Because I know, like, they messed up all the time, just like we do now. But now we have the like, grace. Like, so that's that was wondering. I wasn't sure if it was just, like, right away they were,
1: like, once so, so they did
4: d- it. Let me give you an interesting thought from the teaching of Jesus. This just came to me while you were talking. Jesus shares with us a very powerful parable that we know... As the parable of the prodigal son,
2: yeah.
4: What the prodigal son asked from his father was the equivalent of cursing his dad, Mm
2: -hmm. because what he was saying was, was
4: yeah, like what he said was, "I wish you were dead, dad," because I want my money.
2: Yeah,
4: and and it's such a lack of respect and a lack of love for his dad. But in the parable, Mm -hmm. he's not brought to the priest and he's not stoned. The dad just gave him the money.
6: Okay. And that that
4: parable that parable's still in the old covenant, and so I think that I think that parents would show a lot of depending on their parenting style, I think that there was probably a lot of love and grace, but uh, we do find that once they were brought to the priests, um it was done. the priest determined yeah. it was true, they were stoned
6: mm, okay, which is understandable because like that would mean that the people were unrepentant, and God wanted to, them to be a pure nation, they set apart. So that was like a way to do it, I guess.
4: Well, and I I would imagine that this didn't happen all that much. I would imagine that it served as a deterrent um, to send a message to the the nation that this kind of behavior, while it might be acceptable in the pagan worlds around us, was not acceptable to a holy and righteous God. Yeah. It's
6: really serious to God. Okay. That makes a lot of sense.
4: Well, thanks for calling. Yeah, thank you. All right, bye-bye. Bye. Well, we're coming up on the end of the program today. Uh, if you're out tonight, please be safe. Uh, please stay safe. And a lot of churches are providing alternatives uh, to celebrating uh, Halloween. Uh, instead, uh, having outreaches and different opportunities for kids to be in a safe environment uh, and to be in a place where the light of the gospel is shine. Uh, so whether you come out to Calvary, uh, we are here. Uh, we are here uh, in Aurora and I know my friends in Westminster, in Littleton in Highlands Ranch. Um, I know that uh, there's a lot of different alternatives out there, so be safe and we'll see you guys at five o'clock so our doors are open. We'll see you tonight.